Welcome to episode one of Smuggling Hope, an introduction and a manifesto. What is it and who is it for? Ancient Rabbi Kotzker was once asked, where does God dwell? To which he replied, wherever you let him in. Hi, it's Dan. Years ago, I heard Chris Anderson, the CEO of the TED Talk series, speak to a group of hopeful keynote speakers. At the end of his lecture, an audience member asked him, so what's the secret of giving a really powerful talk? And after a short pause, he said, you need to bring your audience a gift. If you show up and you want something from your audience, if you try to take something from them, they know you're manipulating them. You're a shyster. You're not going to build any trust with the people you're trying to serve. You need to know and bring your gift. Now, in putting together this show, the gift I want to bring to you, the listener, is hope. Now, I'm a professional counselor by trade, and I've spent the last 15 years with all the types of issues that plague people, their families, and the community. I've seen what works and what doesn't, and the spaces in between. And this podcast is designed to bring Catholic counsel to the community. To quote Father Paul Murray, the church is asleep and the people are afraid. This is an invitation into therapeutic conversations to help you navigate the current landscape of family, faith, marriage, mental health, and the growing culture concerns that seem to affect every area of our life. My goal, to be frank, is I'm going to try to smuggle hope into whatever area of your life I can. But why? Well, look around. People live in half measures. They don't have marriages anymore. They just live together because they don't have hope. People don't have kids anymore. They have dogs because there's not much hope in the world. People kill their children in this country by the thousands a day because they have no hope. Now, we kill each other. At the time of this recording, there is an average of two mass shootings a day in the United States. Yesterday, there were three. So why so much violence? Desperate people do desperate things. Now it's time that we start changing the conversations in our lives and between our ears. If we change the conversation, we can change what we focus on. And when you change what you focus on, what you focus on changes. But who's this podcast for? Now I make no mince about it. I am a Catholic and I'm not hiding. The word Catholic means universal. So my desire is to inspire anyone who wants to increase in truth, freedom, and love by what we put together on this show. And I say we because this is a community project. Your feedback and questions will keep this podcast relevant. Now, how it works. To return to Rabbi Kotzke as before, God enters where we let him in. God made people like prisms. So if light enters anywhere, it illuminates the whole. If you've ever seen a prism, hung one from a window, you notice that it doesn't need the perfect lighting. It just needs any light, and it comes in any direction. There's no need for it to have like the, the right way. It just needs a way. And for us, we want to let God in wherever, not just into our life, but into our family, into our world, in our community, in our work, in our marriage, with people who may or may not believe. But those people, those people do want more love. 
And to have more love, we have to have more truth. Because without truth, there is no freedom. And without freedom, there is no love. Many people seem to have lost this. So the goal here is to change the world by changing ourselves. Remember, the brighter that we become, the easier it'll be for others to find us in the growing darkness and for us to give and account for our hope. Now let's go to 1 Peter in the Bible, chapter 3. Now who is going to harm you if you are enthusiastic for what is good? But even if you should suffer because of righteousness, blessed are you. Do not be afraid or terrified with fear of them. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. But do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear, so that when you are maligned, those who defame your good conduct in Christ may themselves be put to shame. And now it's time to give an account for my hope and teach you to smuggle some of your own. We hope you're enjoying the show. If you're a married Catholic looking for a way to smuggle more hope into your marriage, check out heartsrenewed.org. There you will find dynamic online resources designed to transform your marriage from the comfort of your own home. The online program and marriage masterclass is designed to fit anyone's budget. You can start today for as little as $1, but we know that your marriage is worth more than that. So stop making excuses and start investing in your marriage today. So what are we going to do with all of these really crazy big problems? You know, the real whoppers that seem like they really don't have a lot of possibility. What are we going to do with the issues in our marriage, families, communities, governments, even in the church? What are we going to do? And I want you to think that we need to start directing our attention and to the bright spots. Start looking for the bright spots. No problem is happening 24 hours a day, seven days a week till infinity. That just doesn't work. No, no person can do a problem perfectly all the time. It's just not happening. So we need to start directing our attention to those bright spots. Case in point, in 1990, Jerry Sternan, sent by the Feed the Children uh, organization, to Vietnam to deal with the malnutrition crisis of their youth, right? A lot of Vietnamese children had malnutrition. And he was sent with his 12 apostles, a shoestring budget, pretty much no resources into a war-torn country. Now, what the heck is this poor guy going to do, right? No resources, corrupt government, poor infrastructure, you know, little ability to get much of anything done. And what he did is fascinating, and I continue to be fascinated by it to this day. So what, what he did was when he went into villages, he would survey the children and the families, and he'd notice that if there were 40 children of the 40 children, there were maybe seven or eight children that they were of healthy weight. They weren't malnourished. You know, and he'd go to another village, and he would notice maybe there were four or six children, and they weren't malnourished. And so the question began, well, what is it about these kids who come from the same environment, have the same resources, are growing up in the same corrupt uh, expanse of Vietnam, and yet they are not being affected by this crisis of malnutrition? And so he started to play success detective. He started to look for the bright spots. 
And so looking for the bright spots, he studied the families of these children, right? What were the Vietnamese doing that was keeping some of the kids healthy that the other Vietnamese didn't know? At least the majority of them didn't know. And as he studied the movements of these uh, successful uh, families in terms of preparing food is they saw that these, these families would go into the rice paddies and they would find uh, you know, crabs and different types of uh, sweet potato greens and they would put that into the food as well to stretch it further. Also increasing the, uh, the frequency of meals, um, you know, maybe four or six times a day. They all had the same ration food, but they were feeding their kids more frequently. Also the sweet potato greens that they were taking from the fields and from the streams and from the rice paddies, you know, these crabs and different things. It was giving the, the kids additional uh, nutritional resources. Now, this is all something that every one of the Vietnamese could probably take advantage of. And yet they, the, the, the traditional mindset for feeding smaller children or younger people was that you just didn't feed them those, those, um, those foods. So they were, they were just not using them. But some of these families were, right? And so uh, they were able to supply the, their children with a healthy diet and, and stabilize their nutrition. Now, what Jerry Sternen did next was he took these families that were already being successful feeding their kids and he put them in a place of authority in the sense that he brought that success to the forefront and made these families help encourage these families to teach other families in the village because this was an indigenous uh, organic solution to the problem. It was nothing that Jerry Sternen came in from, you know, feed the children with this plan in his handbook of what they're going to do he would never have discovered any of this. We would probably all be watching some show about sending money to Vietnam to end the nutrition crisis today in 2023 if he had not studied the bright spots. But we don't look for the indigenous solutions. We don't look for the exceptions, oftentimes because our minds are geared towards problems. They're critically minded. We are the problem-solving animal. But we can learn again, to direct our attention elsewhere. An analogy I love to use at this point is to imagine that your mind is like a garden. And in the garden, two things grow, weeds and flowers. And in that garden, you are the gardener. And you put water, meaning like your attention, on the places and the plants that you want to see grow. If you put a lot of you know, attention and water on the weeds, they get bigger and they will choke out the flowers. But the flowers are there and the weeds are there too. And we have to be able to learn how to discipline our attention as much as it's difficult, as unnatural as it seems, to start looking at what is it that are the flowers in our life? What are those patterns of success? Because if those patterns continue to grow, we start to grow with them and become more confident. And we become people of great hope and confidence. And we also can share that with other people. Because instead of seeing things everywhere that scare us, we start to see possibility. I, I find that people oftentimes do not see that God is a God of possibility. And so if we are going to try to participate with God in this world and practice the gospel in our life, in our marriage, in work. Even if people don't subscribe or understand what that gospel even means, they can see it when it's lived out. They can see people who are fully alive. They can see people who have joy and hope, even if they're straight up pagans, even if they're people who are committed atheists. 
I can recognize a person with hope and joy, a person who can love me, a person who can see in the darkness. And that's what we need to become. But we need to start directing our attention to the things that we want to see more of in our life. So as to not discourage ourselves, and to also be able to embolden ourselves to be able to address the building issues of our life to get our life in order, to get our marriage together, to get our health in order, to address the issues in our parenting style or in our workplace or in our community. So, so many people get discouraged. How do I get the solutions that I want? How do I achieve the results I want? How do I become the man, the woman, the daughter, the son, the husband, the father, the priest, the religious? How do I become the person that I want to be? And we have these different qualities we want. We want to be healthier. We want to be fit. We want to be financially successful. We want to be good, compassionate, spiritual, holy people. And yet these qualities seem out of reach. And so I want to give you an exercise today to generate both confidence and make it seem within reach that 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 pattern of success is there and teach you how to find bright spots in your own life in regards to yourself and the qualities you want. And so to start off, I want you to think of a quality that you want for your life. Maybe it is that you want to be more fit, or maybe you want a better prayer life, or maybe you want to be just a better husband or spouse or whatnot. And I want you to just come up with that intention, that quality. And then the second part, though, is I want you to start looking for the signs that you're already on track to arrive as that person. You're already on track to be more fit. You're already on track to be holy. But what are the signs? And so, again, what are 20 signs? And I encourage you to write those signs down. What are the 20 signs that tell you that you're actually on track to be a good husband, to be healthier, to being holier? to being more responsible with your schoolwork, to being a better business owner. Look for those signs because the details provoke both hope and confidence, and it physiologically changes the way we respond to stress and excitement about the future. So get to 20 signs because the more you can provoke your mind to see that pattern, the more it will physiologically and psychologically change to see more of the things that you want. And remember, though, that that pattern is already happening, but it's dormant. We don't pay attention to it because we're trying to solve the problem of being unhealthy or the problem of being a, a jerky spouse or whatever it is. But that's no help. So get after this task today, this exercise, and notice what it is that starts to happen. Have you ever wondered what the leading cause of divorce is? It's not addiction, infidelity, lack of intimacy, or incompatibility. It's actually criticism. Criticism underlies all the behaviors that lead to divorce. Criticism kills connection between married couples. If you want to learn ways to stop criticizing and start connecting with your spouse, check out heartsrenewed.org for dynamic exercises on how to shape new conversations with your spouse that will give you the kind of marriage you signed up for, all from the comfort of your home. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Smuggling Hope. If you want to maximize the impact of the podcast you just listened to, 
Try to find one thing that you thought was helpful and teach and share it with somebody in your life. When you teach and share what you've learned, it stays with you and it helps to internalize what we've learned and get that seed to grow. I hope that the seeds of hope continue to grow in your life. Now, this is normally the part of the program that's designated for answering questions from the audience members. But since this is the first episode, there aren't any questions to answer today. But if you have messages you want to send me, or a question, or an idea for a future show, just click the voice message link. You can find that in the description of the podcast episode. Or you can email me directly at dlawsonpsych at gmail.com. Now be sure to use your questions and feedback to generate the future content of this show. Remember, this is a group project, and so your feedback and your ideas will make this show even better and keep it relevant with the community that we're trying to serve. Now go out and smuggle some hope wherever you can.